Hey yo, this is DJ Semtex, the Hip Hop Raising Me podcast. Right now, I'm with one of the dopest artists coming through, the man Strick. What's going on, man? Yo, Semtex, my guy. What's up, Slime? You good? How you doing? I'm I'm all good, bro, man. You've had a good weekend, right? Yo, yeah, it was great, man. <laughs> yeah, UK's been treating me really, really well. Lots of love. All right, all right. And then you, you was at Wireless Festival? Yeah, man. Shout out to Wireless, man. It was massive. Uh, over 100K for sure in attendance. And uh, I performed Sunday. I came out on Young Thug set, man. I did this song I got called Walk Star featuring Skepta. Uh, it was crazy, man. I loved the crowd. I loved the energy. They were moshing for your boy, so it was lit. Is this your first time in the UK? No, this is my second time. Oh, I actually really? was out here in 2019. I came with Young Thug. We were doing like a European run. Oh, okay, so I actually got okay. to see a lot of Europe. Okay. I mean, we went to Venice. I mean, Poland, Russia, a lot, a lot okay. of really cool okay. places. Bigger stage this time. Yeah, bigger stage this time. <laughs> bigger stage this time. Yeah, like, you know, out. last time I came here, I wasn't even, you know, performing. Right. I think I performed one show in uh, Barcelona. Right. He had, like, you know, a little spare time. He could let me come out, and so it was great. So this was really, really, really a blessing. Okay. So how did it feel this time, man? Because, you know, we've had the pandemic. We've opened a lockdown. This is, like, like you said, 100K. Like, the show is crazy. Is a movie like yeah all of that <laughs> straight so, up so so this time around it's like that's that's progression right from when right. the first time you came out oh yeah no yeah for sure you know and like you said like um the world kind of changed a lot for us in the last couple of years it allowed me to kind of really hone in on my my skills kind of really you know practice my craft a lot more and kind of just work on the brand and i think that the brand is growing i think that's another reason why i was able to have success at wireless at this time around when i came perform um, Walkstar is a big record, but I, th I think the fans have been doing their research on me and everybody was excited to see me, so it was nice. It's dope. So what, what we're gonna do, right? We, we're gonna we're gonna hear your journey, we're gonna hear your story, but we're gonna like kind of go backwards in time. Yeah, of course. So we started- A time travel with Syntex. <laughs> Taking it back. So, and, and right now we're, we're in a hotel in the center of London. It's pretty, pretty regal. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, the doorman gave me a problem on the way in. <laughs> kind of told him about himself. He didn't like it. Yeah, but... I'm about to say, he should, he should know who you are for sure. <laughs> what rock is he living underneath? Yo, this, this nearly didn't happen today, seriously. <laughs> but it's, it's all good we're nah, here now. thank you, man. Thank you for sure. <laughs> so how do you end up on stage at Wireless Festival in Crystal, Crystal, Crystal Palace? It's one of the biggest shows of the year, straight after lockdown. You're in the UK. How, how does that happen? How do you end up on stage being introduced and you got a track with one of the biggest UK artists? Like, how? Yeah, you know, that's kind of crazy, you know. Um, I think, obviously, like, hard work, perseverance is one of the things that, I, that got me here. Um, but the course of that was really, you know, Slime Language 2 came out. Um, shout out to my whole entire label, YSL. Shout out to 300, man. We did great with that project, went number one. Um, but the unity that, you know, YSL has as a family, I think that also started to... Um, portray itself um, to the world and they started to see how united we really were and in that process you know me linking up with Skepta who also I met in 2019 when I came out to UK the first time uh, him and I did a couple of records last time we were here but this time it just kind of made sense everything was falling in together um, and so I was already coming over to the UK to do uh, some press runs and do some stuff because I just released a single uh, it's called Bad Girl featuring Cash Page um, it's on my upcoming album. And so just with that pressure and everything going on, um, we were blessed that Wireless still was active. Mm. Um, and so that kind of how it led to getting on the stage. You know, I actually told Thug, like, hey, man, you know, if Wireless goes down, I got to go out there. I got to perform. <laughs> and, of course, you know, him being my bro, he was he was with it. So Okay. How did, how did you connect with Young Thug? Where did that where did that happen? Yeah, you know, man, uh, shout out King Slime, man. That's my bro, man, for eternity. Um, you know, we met over 10 years ago now. Um, at least, you know, I had moved out to Atlanta. Uh, I was still kind of doing my corporate thing out there, but, you know, music was always a passion of mine. How do you mean corporate thing? Uh, I was doing healthcare administration. Oh, for real? Yeah, so I had, like, my own primary care center. I had a few physicians that worked for me, a few medical assistants, because um, I was previously in the military. So I had joined the military after I graduated college. Right. And they paid for my MBA. So then right. when I got out of that, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, doing a corporate, being a corporate career man. Right. But I still had the hobby and the love for music. So when I moved to Atlanta, mm. you know, it's kind of like one of those cities where you can run into, you know, Young Thug, you can run into Future, you can run into a lot of the producers that were out there doing their thing. Um, Wait, where do you run into these guys? Um, just like, you know, the studio, the mall, you know, at that time I had started booking a lot of studio time cause it was a hobby, but I was booking nice studios like patchwork and things like that to go record. Yo, that's dope. Like, yo, sometimes I just book the studio cause I just want to hear shit loud. <laughs> no, seriously, right. because right. you can't, like, and especially in the lockdown, man, I, I, I don't want to keep going on about it, but like, you know, there's only like home system is, you know, it's, it's nice. It's probably, everyone's got a nice home system right, to right, a certain right. extent. 
and there was no clubs, there was no festivals, no shows. That was, that was the beautiful thing about wireless, just being deafened. It's great to be, you know, the bass when it shakes your heart. Right, yeah, no, no, for sure. That. But it's it's like, yeah, just, just yeah, I'm going to go studio and book it. Yeah, it's play like, it loud, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kinda, yeah that's kind of what I was doing. And, and thank God, you know, I, I was able to make some long-lasting relationships. And uh, again, Young Thug was one of those people that um, I met, and he was just always the same person every time we ran into each other. Before we get into that, the medical administration thing, right? Right, crazy. <laughs> I, I, huh? I can't remember what you said, but it sounded big. <laughs> like, 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 like that sounds big, bro. That sounds like you were making moves. That sounds like you was making money already. Right. Like, what? How do you go from that to rap? Um, and again, you know, like I, one of my monikers is risky good reward, right? It's because you know I was already making a quarter million dollars a year doing healthcare administration. Um, again, I was a, an executive there. Tell us more. Um, <laughs> I know, right? It's like, what else? Yeah. But yo, um, because the rap game isn't easy. No, like, yeah, no, of it, course. It really, really, it, it, it's like, you know, it's it's like that saying, like, on the rocks of reality, dreams get crushed. It's like, it is the hardest, most unforgiving, most fickle, most unrewarding game to get into. But if right. you can withstand it, and if you can stick to it, and you can make it work, and yeah, it's illustrious. Yeah, but, no, of course. But it is stacked. And you're, you're doing good in it. You're doing no, very well you. in it. Thank but you but so I'm saying much. to leave quarter of a million a year. Yeah, it was like, I don't know. Like, that was the question my mom and my, <laughs> and my dad were asking me. Like, you know, like, you're uh, kind of set right now. You know, they thought I had the white picket fence. You know, they were waiting for me to kind of get <laughs> married, get a couple of dogs, maybe wanting to have kids, <laughs> something like that. Um, but I was really into music. That was my passion. I loved it so much. And it was a calculated risk, you know, that I took because I had already made these relationships. And around this time, you know, like Future and Thug, like they were still kind of like household names in Atlanta. But, you know, in California, they were just kind of catching wind and other mm -hmm. places were still kind of catching wind of, mm -hmm. of these guys. And so um, it was one of those things where I knew how big they already were to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, well, like if the world still hasn't caught on to them, yeah, I know there's still time for the world to catch on yeah. to me, you know. So I got to go back to this. For, for, for quarter of a million a year to some people, whether that's in dollars, whether that's in pounds, euros, that's like we've made it that's right. like to a, a, a normal like you know husband and wife that's a, like honey we've made it you know right, what i'm saying right. it's like it, <laughs> right, it, it right. is that's like for some people that's the dream some people like they've done it in life to be doing that but it's like for you to walk away from that because that's what you did right, right. yeah right. of course yeah and go into the rap world bro that that was like Come on, there must have been some kind of doubt, or there must have been some kind of shit. Yeah, I right mean, there. yeah, of course, it was never easy, and it was it was a, a fearful the situation to put myself into. You know, that's why again, the first uh, mixtape that I released after I did that was called Risky Good Reward, and I have a Risky Good Reward two, and you know, soon I'll give you know fans Risky Good Reward three, which would be the trilogy. But um, yeah, you know, there was times when I had first moved out to L.A. You know, I had came from having two condos in Atlanta, having my own car, to I was sleeping on the floor in an apartment with eight guys, and it was a two-bedroom apartment, and I'm on an air mattress that's going flat every other night, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I could just go up to UCLA right now, which is, you know, a, a university out in, in Los Angeles, and I could go work at the hospital. Or I can go get another hospital job and maybe I'll start out making 60000 and then, you know, six months later, 100000 et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't move to L.A. to kind of get back into the corporate world. I didn't move back to L.A. to kind of give up on my dreams. I moved there and said, I'm only going to make money if it comes from music. If I don't make any money off music, then it's like I'm just going to wait until I do. <laughs> and that's kind of what it was. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of nights where I was like, man, is this really what I want to do? Like. I really don't, I'm going to have to eat off the dollar menu for how many more years, you know, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of got into one of those, I love McDonald's dollar menu, by the way, but I was yeah. just saying it's like a quality of, of life type of thing, you know, mm. for me at that time. So, um, again, thank God it was a blessing. Thank God I persevered through it. And, you know, I think this is still just the beginning. Yeah. So you've got confidence in yourself, right? Right. Clearly. And you've got belief and everything else. So, so what was it that Young Thug heard? Or like, what what did he rate about you? Where it was like, um, yo, come into the camp, come into the fold. Yeah, I think um, one thing that kind of struck Doug about me a lot is just how genuine I am. You know, um, it's not really like, again, like Doug is my brother. I never even looked at him like, oh, damn, this is young Doug. Like, yeah, he's one of the biggest rappers in the world. It was just like the respect that he showed me and the way that we reciprocated to each other just made us family and, and 
gave me a lot of loyalty to him and I think vice versa. And I think that him seeing that I was willing to take the risk, you know, once he discovered what I had been doing and, you know, again, what kind of the kind of job I did have. And it's kind of like one of those things, like you said, it's like, bro, you kind of were set already. And now you want to do this and take mm-hmm. this big risk and, you know, like this could possibly not work out. I think that was also admirable to him as well. And I think that that's one of the things that drew him to me. And then, of course, like, you know, over these years, I've just really, really worked really hard to get better. And I think that he also can, you know, appreciate that because, you know, it, it's not an easy game, like you said. And it's like you have to always be evolving yourself and no one wants to hear the same sound over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you've always got to just be on your toes in this game. And I think that's kind of one of my niche um like kind of i guess talents is that i really really have a competitive advantage for just working hard and being disciplined i'm gonna ask you more questions along this line because i know a lot of artists that are trying to make it i know a lot of people who are listening right now you know maybe they're thinking about doing it like moving into music or you know maybe they found it hard or whatever so i I just want to know was was there any point where you were like what if i do both like, what if I do a bit of corporate stuff, like, you know, get instead of getting 250 a year, maybe get 150 a year <laughs> and then do some bars and try and get on that album. Can, right. you do bo- can you do both? Is that possible? Um, And see, that's a really good question. And I think that's something that I also battle with. And it's I don't think you can necessarily do both because, you know, when I first came into the industry, since I did have that business acumen, that background, you know, for a lot of my peers and a lot of my friends that I was working with, it was Strick's really smart. He's a great guy. Like if my manager's not there, Strick can speak for me. He can articulate what we need to do. And I also have a lot of great ideas and I'm creative because I will say I'm a creative. I always wanted to do this type of thing in life. So I kind of had to be corporate for a little while, even when I was in the industry, even when I wanted to really be rapping and really being in the studio, there were a lot of times where I still was doing a lot of administrative stuff behind the scenes for my friends that were already making a name for themselves. But like I was helping them on the business end because that's just something I have an acting for naturally as well. But then I realized that the more that I give myself to that the, and the better I am at it, then it becomes stricter. such a great manager. You should stay the manager. Right. Strict, you're such a great like A&R. You should stay the A&R, whatever position it was that I mm. felt like playing when, you know, I didn't want to get pigeonheld into one of those roles. And so I think that that goes back to what I was saying when I was working corporate America. I would leave the, my job and I would go to the studio right when I got off work. But it's like when I left the studio and went to go to work in the next morning, TM88, you know, Southside, 808 Mafia, Metro Booming, those guys were all still in the studio. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, man, you're leaving to go to work tomorrow, but we're still in here because this is what we love to do and we do it 24-7. And so I think that is the thing that I, when I realized and that clicked to me that like you can't be one foot in, you can't be one foot out. You got to go 100%. And that's, mm-hmm. again, that was part of the move to me going to L.A. and everything like that. It was like, okay, cool, I'm doing music 100%. I'm an artist now. I'm a songwriter now. Whatever that role was that I was playing towards leading me getting to this part of my career, um, I had to give it 100%. Okay. You said you was in the Army, right? I was in the Air Force, yes. The Air Force. Military, okay, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, does that actually help with the rap career? Um, You know, I, a lot of things in my life, I think, help with who I am as an artist. So I can't like tell an artist right now, like, yeah, if you go to the military, like that, that, that'll help yeah. with your rap career. Yeah. But, you know, again, for me, as a part of my life, it helped me become more disciplined than I already was. Mm. And it kind of just always like helped me have like a goal in mind and a work to it. And I'm right. all the type of person that the job's not finished until the job's finished. Right. Yeah. Hey, so, so what was it like being in the Air Force? Um, it was cool. You know, it was definitely a different mm. experience. I came from a military family. Mm. So, um, you know, like basic training and all that kind of stuff like that I was kind of used to or, and like heard the stories about. So it wasn't like really going to like rattle mm. me at all. But um, the military, the camaraderie, man, is true. You know, right. you're a part of an organization that literally at any time you guys might have to fight beside each other. Really? Um, and I think knowing that in the back of your mind, whether you, you know, work in the cafeteria or whether you work in healthcare or, you know, you're just a mechanic on the planes at any point in time, you know, that your your job is really a, a war, a mm. war a fighting type of situation. And I think with that, we all kind of band together. Mm. Um, and I think that's one thing that I really did appreciate about the military is did, is a group. Do they still f- fly planes like that or is it all drones now? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I actually was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base and we train the all the fighter pilots. We It's one of the bases that trains a lot of the fighter pilots. And we also have another base there where they do fly drones. But, of course, the, the Air Force, I mean, we have some of the best uh, arsenals of Air Force. I mean, I'm sorry, of aircraft in the world. Right. So being in the Air Force, being trained, does that help being in the rap game? Because, yeah, because you're you're incredibly decisive. You, you you just through talking to you right now, your approach to 
calculating risks and deciding whether to do this or to do that. I mean, to to give up a career with the money that we talked about, I've been in the rap game as a DJ for years. I know how right. shaky it is. I know oh, how course. up and down it is. But you you figured it out. You've got a very good way of processing things. Yes, like, thank you. I appreciate that. But, yeah. but yeah, so I just wanted to know, like, does, <laughs> does being in the Air Force, does that help with a rap career? Yeah, well, and again, I think going back to decision making, the one thing that I always kind of harp on a lot about being in the military is we had this thing called um, operational awareness. Where it's basically like you get trained to like kind of watch your surroundings and kind of like go off of energy and like feel the vibe. Because once again, I said you're in a, in a career where it could be war at any time. So you need to kind of know if that person over there is fidgeting, is like maybe trying to harm you or what that person is doing. And I think that that aspect of the military helped me kind of like heighten my senses to not only people's energy around me, but also, like you said, to decision making to be like, what is going to be the best decision for for this outcome? And I kind of like go through a checklist of things before I even make that decision. And um, I think that's one thing that I was keen in the military. Like we go through so many checks before we make one move. And it comes to a point where you're like, it's like routine to where not, now you don't realize you just checked off 10 things in 30 seconds because you're just so used to doing it. And I think that's kind of how I live in the rap game. What do you call that again? Was it upper, what did you say? operational awareness? So it's basically like you know, just being able to being aware of your surroundings, knowing how to operate. That make a dope mixtape title. <laughs> it might be in there. You might have to host it. <laughs> hey, if, if hey, we do it, do it like it. that, I'm you down, might have to host I'm down, it. I'm, I'm down. with it. I'm down. It'd be a classic. So, so definitely. So, does all right? Does that give you an advantage in the rap game over other artists? Like because. You know, like, look, the rap game is, you know, it's crazy competitive. I say it all the time. Like, it really is. Anytime I go to the U.S., I say you, you can smell MCs. You know if you go into McDonald's, I guarantee <laughs> you there's someone behind the counter who right. is rapping, has got a track out at the moment or something, or any everyone raps, like, right. no matter where you go in America, like, at, at different levels and everything else. So it's mad competitive, mad competition. The album that you're on with Skepta, Yo, just look at the tracklist. Like with the tracklist alone, it's like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you manage to fight your way. Even the cover, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, the cover. It's, it's beautiful. He's, Thank you, you know, Thank like you. yeah, slap business. He's got all the artists on there, and he's putting a lot of people on. But how do you get that attention right. out of thirty other people? How do you stand out? That's again another good question, and. Um, not to be trite or do any kind of like promo, but once again, the song that I released with Kid Cudi that's also on that album in Young Thug is called Moon Man. And one of the lines I say is, you know, I say the secret is being yourself. Oh, I just gave it away to him. And that's one of the, again, the, the things that I really like live by is that I feel like I just have to be even more of myself as an artist, especially like like after going through everything I've been through in life and different career fields and institutionalized education that I've been a part of and even my upbringing, you know, as a child, I have to be able to, be transparent enough with my fans and also with myself to know like I can stand behind everything I'm saying and you know that I want people to be inspired and motivated by what I'm saying um and so I think with that that's how I kind of can separate myself and I can kind of stand out you know everyone is always trying to do their own thing and have their own sound but I think those that are really authentic to it and really genuine to it those are the ones that kind of make their way through like for instance Skepta I mean a really genuine guy really authentic guy I mean legendary man that has done so many great things in the industry especially even for his country so he's just not going to get on a song with anybody he's not mm -hmm. just going to do records with anyone he still has a brand that he needs to uphold himself mm -hmm. and he did a lot of things by being himself. Mm. There's no one who technically likes Skepta, and he was a trailblazer and doing those type of mm. things. Vice versa with Kid Cudi, vice versa with Young Thug, and everyone else that's you know part of the YSL album, that compilation in particular. Mm. Um, so I think that's one of the things I just had to be true to myself, and I think that's how I continue to stand out. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? No. Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. You want two of the most significant tracks on the album that features two very significant artists. Right, you know, thank you. Doing a track with Skepta, that, that gives you a passport to the UK <laughs> like artist community. You can right. have a passport to get into the country, right. but to get a co-sign from a UK artist and 
to jump on a track with them and it's all real. Like, bro, like over here, there's a very real respect um, for artists that show us love. It's mm-hmm. like, it's appreciated. There's also a thirst for great rap. Um, so, you know, if you tap into what's going on over here, you, you got fans for life. You, yeah, no, you got, sure. you got You got second home, basically. So, so in one, inst- one instance, you got that, that side covered in the UK. But then you're on a joint with Kid Cudi. Like, how how did you how, how do you end up on two of the most significant tracks? Is it, <laughs> is it was it was that strategic? You don't have to say that just because I'm here. Simtex, no, 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 no. But right. it's true. No, but you're you're on a track with Skeps on a track with Kid Cudi. Those are, for sure. Those are big big artists, Man, significant you, artists. No. So was that was that operational awareness? Like, how did, how <laughs> did that happen? I see you. This guy's a thinker, y'all, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, but I mean, again, that was kind of like. Uh, you know, the skeptic thing, like I said, you know, we had built a relationship and, you know, he's just a genuine guy. He wants to see me win. Mm-hmm. And he knows that what that record does for me. The record, you know, again, it's great for skeptic acts to his catalog, but it doesn't technically like change his life in a way that he hasn't already changed it himself, but it does change my life. And that's the thing that also is genuine about him and Kid Cudi. Same with Young Thug on that record too, but Kid Cudi I hadn't built a relationship with, but either seeing like the respect that Thug had for me and then seeing the way that Thug was running our label and the way that Thug puts everybody on and things like that, he was easy. Uh, it was easy for him to kind of gravitate towards working with anyone from Thug's label. Mm-hmm. Just so happened that I was able to tap in with them and I had a record that I had already did with Thug and that my manager PJ tried to like get over to him and we were able to set the session up. Um, and when he heard the record, he loved it. And he recorded it right away. My boy Dr. Genius got on the record. He sent it right back the next day. And I was just like blown away. And you can tell like that he genuinely loved this kid. Once again, this kid Cuddy. Mm. He's got a whole brand to stand up behind. He can't just go do a song with somebody just because he wants to do a favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he has to have felt something either from the song or from when he met me that made him be like, you know what? Like this guy deserves this. And that's kind of the way I feel about a lot of the people I work with and a lot of features I get is that a lot of these guys have known me for a while in the industry from being behind the scenes and seeing me work. And I think it's one of those things that people are just like, yo, you deserve it. You've mm-hmm. been working really hard. And this is just the beginning for me, you know, and I, and I understand that. And I know that there's a lot more work that goes into it. And th- that's one of the things that like how I end up on both of those records is just that, you know, I want to set myself apart. And mm-hmm. I and linking up with those two and, and Thug gave us all the autonomy to pick whatever record we wanted. You know, really? yeah. When we, when he was putting the album together, he was like, "Pick the song that you want the world to hear from you." He told all of us that. Really, pick the sound that you want, and then pick the song, and it's whatever. So I could have picked the country song if I wanted the world to perceive me as a country artist. Right. But I picked the song with Skepta because again, that's my boy, and I thought it was a unique record. And then the Moon Man record, I mean, again, it's classic. So I was like, why not? Even though both of those records kind of aren't, you know, YSL yeah. quote unquote sounding records. Yeah. But again, I'm a YSL, so that's the sound. Did you have to compete for either of those two tracks with the other people that, and I'm not saying this to belittle anyone else, but was it one of them like five people went for it and the only one person can go on it or was it just like? Oh, no, no, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think, you know, as you, as, you, as you look at our label too, you know, you see there's some artists that have a larger output of music than other artists just right. off of just how it goes sometimes, you know? And I think that the way it worked, you know, obviously you see Thug with a, a good amount of records, you see Gunner mm-hmm. with a lot of records, you see Yak with a lot of records, yeah, you see myself yeah. with a lot of records. And I think that's um, also, again, because, you know, we've been releasing records a lot and we have that report. So for me to have two songs on the album, I was on the first Slime Language one. I had a song STS with Young Thug, which was like my first introduction to a lot of the, the Slime um community and mm. so i think that it was only right for me to have two songs on there because it's kind of like we want to show the growth mm. we want to show leveling up you know and again like that's how young thug is he wants everyone to see that we're growing over here mm. so it would have made it made sense for me to have two records because i have one on the last one and like mm. it just so happened that those were two really good records so it wasn't it's never a competition with us at ysl mm. at all i mean this okay. is real family these are my brothers these are my sisters like we all love right. each other I and mean, we've all got the same tattoos and things like that so it's never a competition it's just like we all are in agreement that like it's for the team hmm. and so that album that's how we went number one because everybody picked the record that they want the world to hear from if, right. if one of those songs come off the album the album may not go number one because that was the mm-hmm. body of work so I, I feel like um yeah i was just it was just perfect timing and it was two really good records okay i always i always you know i talk to a lot of people coming through um and i always say it's like it's like this game in the rap game is like 10 percent talent 90 percent business acumen <laughs> for sure. um you you can see someone who you know incredibly talented and it it doesn't happen for them just because they ain't got a business right right be, be right. that whatever be it social media be it not having a great team or whatever whatever or you can have someone who in in it but right. because they're on it like they're popping right you know? right 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 so 
with yourself, it's like, yo, all right, so you come from corporate, you've done the behind the scenes thing, you know how A&R works, you know how management works, right. you know what a manager needs to do, you know what a manager expects, right. you know as an A&R what doesn't work, what does work, and you know how to put a record together. But now you're in front and you're doing the artist thing and you're doing the rapping and, and like, how's that feel? Like, because it, 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 is it easier? Like, is it <laughs> you just having fun with it? Is it like, yo, it is, because it's like, I, you know, I, I do a lot of different things aside from just DJing. Right. But I love DJing. Love being on stage more than anything else. Like, right. if I didn't do that, I don't know. You don't know, right? Yeah, 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 it's just in you. It's innate, right? Is it something that you feel like you're born to do? Someone asked me the other day, like, actually, like, you know, why do I think that I, you know, am an artist now? Why do I think I like, you know, rapping or whatever? And I was kind of just telling them, like, I was thinking of an answer in my head to tell them, and then I just said, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm, it's the calling. It's the calling. I feel like this is like my innate calling, and maybe this is just the again the start or the beginning of the innate calling, and I might just end up being a motivational speaker five, ten years from now or something like that. You know, you kind of are already. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, I hope I want my story to be motivational, mm. and I try to keep my songs that way for sure. So I, I'm glad you you see that vibe. But mm. but yeah, I mean, I I think that's just kind of what it boils down to is that you know when you're really focused on something and you're passionate about it, then like it just becomes the thing. Mm. Like, you know, when you're DJing and you're on stage, just like who you are. You probably mm. just zone out. Like I was thinking the other mm. day when I was performing um, at Wireless, when I got off stage, I was like, what the fuck was I even thinking about when I was on stage? <laughs> it's like, I was literally having a conversation with Gunner. The next thing you know, I heard my song come on, I'm on stage and I'm like, the next thing you know, I'm in the crowd. And then when I get off, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Just yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But it's just like, you kind of just go into this trance where it's just like that you're as an out of body experience. Cause this is like, mm. I'm in such a euphoric place. Cause this is what I really want to be doing. And I think that's what it is when you're in a place where you just really feel like, man, this is what I want to be doing. Whether mm. it's a teacher, whether you're a basketball mm. coach, where you just get that feeling. That's what you want to mm. do. I had a good time at Wireless. No, like, thank you. I start. I started the event. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I killed it. Yeah. Sure you did. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, nah, it's dope. But but the interesting thing is, like, you know, for me. My passion for DJing is probably growing more and more. I want I want bigger stages, bigger audiences, and right. everything else, and I want to travel more. So, but it's it's normally the other way around. People normally do the the art, mm. then the music industry business, and then the business business. We've both done it the other right. way around. Total <laughs> yeah. opposite, right? It's mad, right? But if that's the path, that's the path. That's right? the path. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And you know, I'm encouraging people, and like kind of how you went back and you were saying, you know, you don't want to keep talking about the pandemic or the quarantine and things like that, but. That's kind of like how my story, I think, will resonate with a lot of people, because even though I, I didn't, you know, decide during the pandemic that this is what I wanted my career path to be, when I decided to take that calculated risk, I was doing something else. And so there are a lot of people now that may have been, you know, working a different type of career field, but during the quarantine, realized, hey, I have a passion for this, or I have a passion for that, and I really love doing that. Now, I haven't been at work, and I've been just doing this for six months. I don't want to go back to work. If there is an opportunity for me to go back to work, it's going to be me working for myself or doing something that I love doing. And so I think that that's one of the things, too, that people should appreciate about the quarantine is that like it gave people an opportunity to decide what is it that you really love? What is it that you really want to do? Now that you have this time, is it spending more time with your family? Is it teaching your son how to throw a baseball? Is it going to the studio and recording? Is it making beats? Is it reading scripts because you want to become an actress? Like this gives people so many time. And I feel like that's what I did with with the risk that I took. I feel mm. like that I said, you know what, this is what I really want to do. Mm. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm going to have to just deal with the consequences that come with this. And I had a good enough backup plan to where it didn't work out for me. I remember I always told myself when I first quit, I said, I'm going to give this two years. Right. It was 2016. I said, I'm going to give this two years. That was a good year for rap as well. It really was. Yeah. And I said, if I, don't, if I don't make anything happen in the next two years, then I'm probably just going to go back to corporate America. I'll have to start, you know, like I said, 60,000, 100,000. But I'll work my way back up and it'll be cool. Um, that first year, I wrote a couple really cool records, co-wrote a couple cool records, ended up becoming a platinum songwriter. So I said, this is a sign from God, maybe I should stay in the music <laughs> business. I'm a platinum songwriter now, I was sleeping on the floor. Then the next year, you know, 2017, we, you kind of go on tour, move around with Thug. I tell Thug, hey man, I really want to be an artist, this is what I really want to do. And he's like, bro, you're writing hits for people, stop writing for people, do your own thing, which mm -hmm. is no reason why I commend Thug. Who did you so write much. hits for? Uh, you know, a few people. There's a few people running around with some strict hits. Uh, is it one of those? Okay, you know okay. what I'm saying? But all there's a lot right, of people right. that I collaborated with yeah. and, you know, we, we worked together yeah. with as well. Um, yeah. But it's just one of those things, too, where just Thug just had that foresight and he was just mm -hmm. like, hey, man, like, you know, do your thing. I support you. How's, how's that feel when 
you're writing for other people and it becomes a hit and they're big and you're not um well i mean you know at that time when you're coming y'all gonna say yeah i think it depends on your headspace at that time because with me like i just really wanted to be in the industry so bad and i know that you know being a songwriter is lucrative being a songwriter is cool and i'm not really the type of guy that just like wants to be in front of the camera even now thug sometimes like yo bro you know you need to come over here and be in this picture <laughs> like you know what i mean like because he's, he's just like bro come be in the picture like you standing mm -hmm. back and there's somebody in the picture that might not even should be in the picture mm -hmm. um but because i'm not that type, that type of person so even when i was behind the scenes it was just like i, I knew i would get paid i knew i'd get my money i knew i could still get into whatever event i needed to get into because a lot of people i wrote for and like co-wrote and did songs with are my friends and people that i work with so to me, it wasn't ever like, oh man, this guy's bigger than me, and no one's, mm. everyone's walking by me and doesn't know who Strick is. Mm. It's like, because I kind of always, again, knew that there's gonna be a time where I was gonna be sitting down with someone and they'll know who Strick was. Yeah. And so I just kind of kept that in the back of my mind because I'm not literally like an overnight success type of person. You know, I went again going to college, going to the military. You know, that like things don't happen overnight. You want to get up in the rank in the military, it doesn't happen mm. overnight. You got to be literally in the military for a certain mm. amount of months and years before you can even test or mm. like do whatever you need to do to go to the next rank. So I've always had patience and know that like, but it's coming. Mm. That's kind of like how I always work. It's that operational awareness yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, again, right? Kicking in. I, it won't go away. It won't go away. <laughs> Uncle Sam got it stuck with me. <laughs> so, you know, you, you moved to Atlanta. Like, like I said, we're going backwards. Yeah, shout out to so, the A, man. So how, you know, and I, I know people like Young Thug, um, Future, all of these guys have got crazy security. All of these guys move like with, you know, at some point, it's almost like military, like, you know, um, people with them or whatever, the way that they move and the way that they operate. Just for people who's listening, how how do you approach someone like a thug or a future without getting brushed off? Like, how do you, how yeah, how do you do that? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that, that's difficult, you know, you got to approach with caution, first of all. Mm. Even nowadays, I mean, I see us, make sure you approach with caution just because, I mean, it's people's personal space, you know, and you don't want to just do that. You know, it, obviously, sometimes, you know, when you see someone in the supermarket, you can't just extend your hand out and be like, hey, what's up? Nice to meet you. You got to kind of like fill it out. They might not want to talk that day. Um, but the thing with me is that I was networking a lot in Atlanta and I was able to meet people that were already acquaintances or cool enough with some of these artists like Thug and Future to where like I could come to events and I can be around and I can be in the vicinity to where they don't look at you like a stranger. It's like, oh, you came with so-and-so, he's valid, so you're pretty decent as long as you don't pull your camera phone out and start doing something mm. extra or whatever, whatever. That's, that's the worst. Yeah, right? that's the worst, right? Yeah. When people yeah. are around and just doing mm. awkward stuff like that, mm. and, you know, and again, these people, they have privacy. It's their life. Mm. You know, it's not like, hey, just film me whenever you want at your own leisure, you know? Mm. And I think just like, kind of just being, just like I said, just a real person, just being who mm. I am like just respecting every human for a human it's like when i met thug and future it was never like oh this is thug this is future this mm -hmm. is what it was just like damn i respect what you do because i'm a person that respects people that have ambition and get to where they want to go mm -hmm. and i love your drive and i love you were able to conquer it the, the guy that goes to the nba i'm not hype about necessarily the fact that he's in the nba mm -hmm. i'm hyped about the fact that you went through college that you work out mm -hmm. in the gym you're probably shooting a thousand free throws right now blah 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 you deserve to be in the nba i admire you for your hard work i think that that's awesome and so again when i met future and thug and other any other artists it wasn't security or anybody trying to get me out the way because when i met them like you said you can just feel it i mm -hmm. met them i shake their hands say what's up and they're like oh this is a real one and we carry ourselves like that both of these guys another artist like that they're from hoods right, right? their own hoods right. right yeah thousands of people trying to reach out to them and trying to like you know you you know like whether it's a hustle or whether it's a business idea or whether it's like you know like a rapper trying to get put on like how how do you how do you you pick your moment right you you, you do the, the respectful approach mm -hmm. right what point does it come into the conversation that a rap you know like right, 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 it's right, coming right, right, like they right, know right. it's coming like yeah, they know it's coming <laughs> of course eventually there's someone right now around us that yeah. doesn't rap that's gonna start rapping it, it could happen to you outside like yo i'd love to be in it I, I, <laughs> I yeah, rap, yeah, 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 yeah. I love. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Strick. But I rap. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> how? How? I mean, it's 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 almost it's you know it's either gonna be can I get a picture or I rap. And I, <laughs> I was wondering, or I'd like to. How? How do you? How do you? First of all, yeah. What did you do? Like, how did you pick the moment? How did you do that? What was your? Um, you know, again, like with me, it was. I always I already knew who who they were, right? You know, like when you meet Young Thug around the time when I met him, um, around 2010, 2011, he was already make again like household name in Atlanta. Same with Future and other artists and producers that I had met, they had already built the culture down there in Atlanta. 
Um, so it was never really like, hey, I want to let I want you to put me on. It was more of a thing like I always felt like I would get to where I wanted to go in life because I'm just so determined and I manifest things a lot. So it was more about when we all met the synergy that we all had because we all were trying to get to the same place. Um, I kind of use the analogy like when you're playing basketball and I don't know if you guys have this league here, but in America we have this league called AAU. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. And yeah. So it's like when you're um, playing basketball and you're growing up, if you go to AAU or you're part of the AAU teams, more than likely you're serious about basketball. Right. And more than likely you want to go to the NBA. Yeah, Same yeah. with these people that go to five star camp, you know, these camps, et cetera. So it's like you, when you're growing up in life, you meet other people that are serious enough about it. So it's kind of like with me. When I met these other guys, they were so serious about it and they were already going to a certain level. Those were the mm. guys I wanted to be around. Okay. It wasn't because of who they were. It was because of how serious they were about okay. their craft. Because you can meet another artist that wants to be a rapper, but he's only going to go to the studio for maybe four or five hours. He's right. maybe going to do one song. He's maybe going to just bullshit half the time he's there. Yeah. And then after that, you're like, okay, cool. When you're going back to the studio, he's like, oh, I only go to the studio every other week. That guy maybe doesn't want to go to the next level. Mm. He's also maybe not mingling and going around in the circles that he needs to be in to meet other people that are trying to part go to time. the next level. You know, he's doing it part time, which again goes back to like you said, can you be one foot in, one foot mm. out? And so I think that's kind of one of the things, like you said, going back to those guys is that um, being around them, like it was more so like I want to show them that I'm on the same level mentally, that I want the same things that they want mentally. It's not about, oh, I just want to be in the party or I just want to be around the girls or I want to just do this or not even up to the money. Because the money is the, the byproduct of actually doing what you want to do. You make mm -hmm. a number one song, you're going to get paid. Yeah, yeah. If you work really hard in the studio, and et cetera, et cetera, and you write really good songs or whatever it is, you're going to get paid. Mm -hmm. So the money is the byproduct of, of how hard you actually work. Same with the basketball players, right? Mm -hmm. You work really hard and you go to the league, you get the contract. You mm -hmm. make the money. If you don't work really hard, then you go to the D-League. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't yeah. get to play beside LeBron because LeBron was on the offseason working his ass off. So you don't get to play beside LeBron. You don't get to be on his team. So that's kind of how I look at it in the industry. It's like my relationships with all those guys is based off all of us wanting the same thing, and that's to be successful. Okay. But how did you say to Thug of Future, yo, how did that happen? See, see and, and that's what I'm trying to say is those conversations, they didn't come up because we all knew each other. So we're, right. we're all hanging around now. Okay. So, so now that didn't like, even happen. So, yeah, well, you know, with Thug, it was yeah. more so like, like I, I want to rap. I'm an artist. He, like when he's in the studio, I mean, Thug books out the whole studio. Right. So when Thug's in the studio, if there's six rooms in the studio, he's booking out the whole studio, even if he's the only rapper there. That's just how he is. Right. So it would be times where Thug would book the studio, and then there would be an open room, and of course I would go in there and rap. Hmm. And then he might be like, where's Strick at? And someone might be like, oh, he's in there rapping. And then it's like, oh, I didn't know he rapped, but okay, cool. Then he might hear a song and be like, uh, uh, you know, you never know what he, what he thought when he first hears the records, you know? Same thing with like with Future and like other artists. It was like by the time other artists started catching wind of me actually being an artist and like really taking it serious as rapping, they had already kind of heard that, oh yeah, Strick made a couple of songs or mm -hmm. Strick's like working with producers or like he's interested in music. And I've probably already verbalized it myself because one thing that I've never really been fearful of is mm -hmm. just being honest with people. Mm -hmm. So when I do talk to these people, it's like, hey, I'm Strick. I have a company, Foundation 86. We do business and branding solutions. It, we have apps. We have websites. I can help art brand you. I can help create some merchandise for you. And all that stems from me being an artist myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe I thought I would never be able to be an artist because I'm in corporate mm -hmm. America now, but I can help you out with all these things. Mm -hmm. So immediately my pitch to anyone when I yeah. first meet them is how I can service you, how I can help you, how yeah. I can make you better. And along with that, I'm trying to help you make you better in this realm because, yeah, I want to be an artist, but maybe I'm feeling like this is where my strengths are right yeah. now. So it's a Totally different approach. Yeah, totally different approach. It was never like, hey, I'm a, I'm a rapper. I want to rap. Sign me to be a rapper. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah, rap together. Yeah, boom, boom. Because your aunt, your yeah, cousin, your uncle, like you said, all these yeah, people yeah. around you are rappers. It's I have yeah. this thing over here that can help facilitate what you already have going on. Yeah. And then by helping you and you realizing that I'm helping you, mm -hmm. then it becomes, oh, yeah, well, how can I help you? What is it that you like to yeah, do? Yeah, what I, do you I, actually I, do? I and I think that's, again, that goes back to our camaraderie and all of us yeah. being brothers. It's like we don't really want anything from each other. We're all trying to help each yeah. other. So the position you're in now, do you get the, yo, love your music, great to meet you, I rap. <laughs> do you get yeah, that? yeah, I get that, yeah. <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> and, you know, and it's one of those things, too, where, like, you kind of said, like, you can see someone and you can tell, like, mm. okay, this guy's an artist, this guy's a rapper, this guy's something, and this girl's a model. But then you can also kind of tell after the first few conversations, like, how serious this person mm. is about what it is they do. I meet people all the time, even just, like, in regards to fashion. Like, I'm super into fashion. But I meet a lot of people sometimes they're in fashion that don't even know about tech pack. A girl to say, "Oh my God, I love fashion. I'm so into it. Boom, boom, boom." But she mm. loves shopping. Mm. She doesn't really. She's not really into fashion. She doesn't even know what a tech pack is. She doesn't even know mm. how to start designing anything. She doesn't even know what sourcing is or how you can get these materials that you need to start making your clothes. She just likes the way clothes look on her. 
But see me, I love fashion. So when I talk to someone about fashion, I start talking about the quality and the mm -hmm. textures and how many, what type of prints you got and what kind of thread it is. Boom, we can start talking about that all day because that's something that I really love. But I also like to dress. I also like to shop. So it's like when you start talking to people, you can just find out really quickly like how serious they are. But if I talk to a producer and all of a sudden we're talking and then I say, send me the stems. And he's like, I don't even know what stems are. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Then you're not a real producer. You don't even know how to send me your drum separated. You don't know how to send me your chorus separated. You don't know how to do all this type of thing. So you like making beats and you maybe like what it, what it is to be a producer and maybe make mm -hmm. money if you become wheezy. Right. Mm. So it's like, again, that's how I operate in my life. When I talk to people and I talk to everyone, mm. it's like those first few conversations is like, how serious are you about what you're telling me you're serious about? We can mm. talk shit all day about beer and football or whatever, whatever. But when we talk about what you're serious about, I can tell what you're serious mm. about. Like when you start talking about DJing mm. right away, I'm like, damn, this guy really fucking loves DJing. Mm. I can tell right then you almost had an out of body experience about <laughs> <laughs> about going to wires and performing and being in front of everybody. Oh, yeah, I levitate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so you can tell. Right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, those are the type of things, those are the conversations that I have. I guess operational awareness, I don't have time to waste. Mm. I can't waste my time with you just because it's like going to be a good look for you or a good look for me. It's like, I'm thinking about longevity right now. You know, mm. like I was hanging out with my boy earlier and we we're talking about fashion and I was telling him like, you know, I prefer to wear clothes that come from people that I know that make them or mm. brands that no one's wearing at all because it's like, am I going to just go in Dior and spend $2,000 just because I got $2,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we walk out and we both like, hey, we got $2,000, <laughs> high five, you got $2,000, I got yeah, $2,000. Yeah. No, I'd rather be like, hey, you don't know my boy, you can't even get this t-shirt yeah, if you don't know him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hear that, I hear that. It's that I type of that. stuff. Okay, so to recap again, you was a wireless this weekend. Slit. Last night, there was a club night, um, a scotch. Scotch. A lot of people couldn't get into. It's like <laughs> it's kind of packed. Out. You try to get in, my boy. Damn. Yeah, yeah, well, you know me now. Next time you can hit me. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, how do you how do you spend your time though? Because you know you're talking in detail about your approach to fashion. You're talking about being strategic. Then also there's the whole thing about you know being creative. Creative. Being creative. You can't. You can't just be like. You can't just switch it on. You can't. You can't put it in your diary like. Um, all right, six o'clock. I'm gonna write some bars and da 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 da. Then ten o'clock, I'm gonna do fashion today, and then I'm gonna do this kind of like yeah. How how do you do it, or can you do that? Um, can you do that? Can I do it? Yeah. See, that, like now it goes right to what you're saying. Like you know, you gotta have a team. Like you were saying, you know, the business. You know, whether it's you or the team or whatever. And that's kind of like where I'm at now. You know, um. I'm so creative and I have so many different things going on. Then, like I said, you all, I also understand that you have to be focused on one. So right now I'm really focused on my artistry. Right. I'm really focused on making better songs. I'm really focused on working with new artists, getting new sounds. I'm really focused on, you know, having those, like I said, those checkpoints, like those number one records, getting those mm. things like myself as an artist. Mm. Um, and so I think with that, with that being my main focus, all the other things that are ancillary to that, that kind of like support that, I have to have my team help me and I have to delegate, you know, because there's mm -hmm. so many things that I want to do that accompany the brand. Mm -hmm. But at first, it's like you got to get this one done now. Because before, like I said, I was doing so many of these different things mm -hmm. that that's why they're a part of, of who I am. Like when I was working with brands and working with business and working with apps and doing all this kind of stuff, that's part of my brand of who I am and strict. You know, I got slime nerd tatted right here, you know? Mm. So that's part of who I am as an intellectual and as, a, like you said, the business person. But then when I locked into who I am as a creative, I had to decide I had to be creative all the time now. Right. I can't just, I, even though I love running my business, I love being hands-on with my business. And I still and maybe too hands-on with my yeah. business. I still have to take time to be like, okay, you know what? I have to only be making music. I have to be focusing on music and anything that has to do with that, whether it's a video, whether it's a, a cover art, et cetera, et cetera. It has to be focused on music. And I have to let the other things be the byproduct mm -hmm. of how successful my music is. You know, once my music starts going even crazier than it is now, then of course I can focus on my clothing brand. The music's going to be doing this numbers by itself so I can sit here and work on T-shirts and hoodies and pants right. all day long. Right. So you've been in the UK, you know, this weekend, um, a few days later. So, 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 what's productivity been like this weekend for you? Have you you've run any bars? Is it inspiration that you've taken yeah, from being for out sure. here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, is there slang that you're gonna like? Is there, you know, yeah? Does that does that help with the creative process? Like, yeah, you you know, you lot have a lot of slang out here, and it's kind of like I just did a song with uh, M Huncho. Okay, dope. Yeah, um, dope. shout out to he's M Huncho, super dope. Um, and I went to a Sony camp. Sony had a camp a couple of days ago. Studios. Yeah, Metropolis Studios. Yeah. Uh, I stopped in and that's when me and Huncho did the song. So, um, and so that's kind of the thing, like being out here in the UK has been very productive. Mm -hmm. um, I love it out here. I'm planning on, on moving out here soon for a few months, just kind of just, again, work on music, work on brands. Um, but that's since I've been here, it's been ripping and running. I landed and it was the morning time um, on Saturday. 
Um, so then we had a little park life vibe, and then the next day uh, we stayed. In, me and Gunner stayed in the studio. I think till eleven o'clock that morning. Okay. Then the next day we had wireless, mm. and then that was all day. And then we we're in the studio again. Um, then I actually ended up doing a really really cool song with one of my favorite artists. Um, I give you a, give you a secret uh, play of it later, but yeah, so that was really cool. Ended up being in the studio again to eleven, and same thing last night. I actually haven't went to sleep today. Um, right. Yeah, I think I came home from the studio last night at uh, 11.30. Um, was in there with Future for a long time. And then I came back, uh, kind of freshened up. And then I was thinking about taking a nap. And then I got the phone call that we had to go do a photo shoot. Right. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Let's go do that. And now we're here with you. And so I still haven't yeah. had any sleep. So it's been very productive. And these right. are the days that I kind of live for, right? You know, mm-hmm. you want to be you want to be busy. I tell my manager, I say, man, when we get to London, I don't want to take any breaks. Mm-hmm. I want to be doing everything I can because it's like I feel like this is the time now where I yeah. can really start working. Um, before, like you said, behind the scenes, it's like I used to be with Thug when he's doing his press mm-hmm. runs. I used to be around everyone else when they're doing mm-hmm. all this stuff, and I used to be like, man, I can't wait until I have the time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like a kid in the can store. I'm like, what else can we do? What else can we do? Literally, mm-hmm. I want to do something until we get on the plane. Up until we get on the plane, I want an interview or I want a photo shoot or I want something mm-hmm. that is going to help push mm-hmm. the strict brand. Mm-hmm. It's the life, right? It's the life. It's what you wanted. Yeah, it's what I wanted. <laughs> and I, but it's funny because I remember um, right before, like, I actually, like you said, like, I started making music and was telling Thug that that's really what I wanted to do. I remember I was in Las Vegas and he sent me a text and he said, are you sure? Wow. He said, are you sure? He said, and I, when he said that, you know, at first, you know, he's my bro, so I know he's not, like, technically questioning yeah, me, yeah, yeah. but it made me think about what is, what is that? Are you sure? And then I kind of think about it now, and, and you know, even back then, after you know, a couple of days of thinking about it, what it really meant was like, there's a lot that comes with this. Mm. It's like you know, Strick, you've been around me for a while. You know, you see what I'm doing, you see the money, you see the tour, you see the fun, you blah 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 blah. But you also see how long I'm in the studio. Thug never leaves the studio. Right. He's one of the reasons why we're in the studio till eleven o'clock in the morning. Because I'm like, this guy's always working. He's had number one hits, number one albums, done all this stuff, and he's still in the studio. So what do I look like not going to the studio and spending all of my hours in the studio when this guy literally is as big as he is and as influential as he is and he's still working on his music. He's still working on new songs. He's still trying to get better every day. So that's again, that's a work ethic that, that Thug passed down to a lot of us and we see him doing that. Um, so when he asked me, are you sure? It goes back to like you said, it's like, man, this is the lifestyle. This is what I wanted. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's busy. <laughs> it's busy. <laughs> From your observations, does that, is that, is that is that is that the calling or is it like an addiction or is it like because that like there's a point where you got money man there's right a point right. where you got so many you know what i mean it's like you got like yo america the way that it works over there <laughs> you guys make money you make money you make bank like m's all of that right but there's a point like especially and I, I know house prices in atlanta you, you, know you, you could be all right you get right right right, right. right. you good set set for life almost like so what is it? Is it is it the drive to be known, like to have that legacy, go for that Michael Jackson type legacy, or right. is it? Yeah, what is it like? You know, from, from, again, just I, from your observation. Yeah, I was like, gonna say. I mean, I think for every artist it's different, but you know, again, like the artists that I'm around, and not just YSL, but a lot of other artists in the industry that we're we're really close with. Uh, I think for them, it's not like the money thing. It's like more like you said, the Michael Jackson thing. Like, everybody really wants to be great. And like there's a competitiveness where it's like, yeah, there's a camaraderie, but everyone still wants to be number one. Everybody still wants to be great. Everybody still wants to be a legend. Like, one of the main reasons why, like, I also still make music and is because, like, I want to go down in history as one of the greatest guys to ever make music. I don't, you know, like, I want 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I want people to be like, yo, Strick was really one of the greatest artists around. And not just based off my collabs or where I want them to be like, yo, like what he spoke about, what he talked about, his lifestyle, like who he was, like that was legendary. That was a legacy. I want my kids, like, you know, I don't have any kids right now, but when I have kids, I want them to be able to be like, go back and be like, yo, my dad was really doing stuff. He wasn't just hanging out. He wasn't part of the entourage. He wasn't just doing stuff. He really made a name for himself. And I think in doing so, like I said, it goes back to what I said about you make a number one song, you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. So I think with all of us having this drive to really create these legacies and like even now how times is changing, you know, like you can be number one this week and the next week someone else drops something and then it goes viral and then you're not really being talked about. You still had number one last week, but you're not number one this week. And I think with that, that's why we also work so hard. And like you said, the money keeps coming in because it's just like you elevate and you got to do other things to attach your brand. Like I'm really into film. I can't wait till I can start starting in some film roles. But at the same time, it's like that's becomes a byproduct of my songs doing really well now i can get pitched for movies now my agent's like hey we got strict over here he wants to play himself in your new movie like etc etc so i think that's where like you said the money is always going to keep coming in but that's because we're pushing ourselves to create that legacy 
What made you pick up the pen? Like, who inspired you to be a rapper? Man. I was, I mean, I would have to say, like, you know, it's a few people, but, you know, Tupac, 3-6 Mafia. Um, I grew up on a lot of Big L. The first CD I ever had my mom buy me was Bone Thugs and Harmony, East 1999. Really? Yeah, wow. I was living in Germany. I might have been, like, eight years old. And I just, like, liked, for some reason, like, their melodies and how fast mm-hmm. they were rapping just really, like, got to me. Mm-hmm. Um, them in Crucial Conflict. I used to listen to a lot yeah. of Crucial Conflict. Pioneers. Yeah, Pioneers. Yeah. yeah. So I used to tell my mom, get me that, get me that. Um, so, yeah, so those are, like, a lot of people that, like, I just love. And I was just like, man, I want to, like, I was imitating their raps and stuff like that. So I would say, like, maybe that made me want to pick up the pen. Bone, Bone Talks and Harmony, I mean, they, they got the blueprint for the double time flow. Like, oh, my God, they, yes. they, they, they did it. Yeah, they did it. Them Twister, you know, Crucial Conflict. They did like, it. Did you get what it was, how technical it was at that time? Because they, they were way ahead of the um, time, decades I, ahead. Yeah, I think like it, like how technical they were, I didn't necessarily get, but it was like what they were talking about and like their lifestyle. Because also around that time when I was younger, you know, I was hanging out with a lot of people from the Midwest and, you know, like their influence and their lifestyle and stuff that they were doing too um, was obviously like rubbing off on me at a young age, you know, very, inf- it, like, you know, you're, you're able to be influenced fairly easy. Um, like I said, this was around, I was eight or I was nine years old. And so I think that this was one of the things, too, that, like, um, I didn't experience the technicalities of it, but I was just like, dude, whatever they're doing, I want to learn how to do it. It sounds too cool. But what is the one MC? Because, like, all right, so Bone Thugs and Harmony, Crucial Conflicts, is melodies and flows with um, with 3-6 Mafia. It's the energy, mm-hmm. like, the power. The like energy. The, the, it's, it's in, there's nothing like that to this day. Like, I love crunk music and everything else. I love what Little John did in the noughties and everything, but... There's, there's like, but, but in terms of a lyricist, who's the one lyricist that that's inspired you, the one rapper? Like, let's nail it down. I mean, I would have to just say Jay Z. Yeah, greatest like, of all time. Yeah, greatest. I mean, greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. I think you know, rightfully so, right? Shout out Jigga. Mm. Um, I think it's just like, um, whenever you hear a Jay Z album, it's a Jay Z album. Mm. right it's like you know the blueprint comes out you know the dynasty album comes out and it's like you know it's jay-z he mm. said i don't care if it's when i want you to let all your windows down mm. you know it's just like you, that's an experience like every time i just think about that i'm just like damn bro dynasty three i can think about where i was i know mm. like what was going on like you know what i'm saying it's like that's volume three mm. you know and it's just like so to me he was one of those artists that like made me want to pick up the pen because like the way he spoke the way he articulated himself the way he put his words together mm. he was a businessman you know, I admired all those things. And I think that um, I kind of, like, have a lot of that going for myself. That's dope, man. Well, listen, it's, it's, it's been real good connecting with you, man. No doubt we're going to do this again. Yes, for sure. Next thank you. In the UK. Um, yeah, this is dope, man. Nah, thank you so yeah, much. Syntex, the whole team, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No doubt. And for sure. The mixtape, Operational Awareness. Coming yeah, soon. <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> slap business. <laughs> Yeah, UK premiere. We got to do a premiere <laughs> over here. We'll do the, we'll do the track Definitely. and we'll premiere it over here. I'm with it, man. It's cool, man. My guy, Syntex Slap.